Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you feeling after this match? I mean, I actually just got home from the game, um, and I'm still buzzing, right? Um, like I said, after you know the the downers of the the down feelings over the last couple losses it's been it's nice to get back to see vela back on the field to see the the boys pick up a win and get things get that the ship steered in the right direction yeah i in terms of in terms of results this was this was exactly what the doctor ordered um it's hard to it's hard to think of one, how it could have gone much better. I mean, sure, you can score more goals, but the way that they came out in the first half and, and dominated the ball, uh, got those two goals, and kind of looked like them old, their their old selves again um, is what you is what you really needed. You need to see a glimpse that okay, it's still there somewhere, um, and they can they can tap into it when they need. Um, and then you know the other the other part of it is starting off this home road stand. I think they are home road stand, this home stand. Excuse me. Uh, this homestand where they have three more matches at home in a row to kind of right the ship and get back into 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 the race here. So um, a, a great result. It was great, like you said, to see Carlos back on the field um, and Rossi get get back on the score sheet. So uh, any, where do you want to start with this one, Josh? I mean, for me, I think obviously the the story of the night is the return of Carlos Vela and what it mm-hmm. means to the whole thing, right? I mean, and this kind of goes to prove kind of the points we've been bringing up over the last couple of weeks, right, about how much different this team looks. You know, and obviously we're going to focus more on the positive given given the win. Yeah, but at course. the same time, right, it's, it is interesting to note, like, how how difference how much of a difference one guy makes right and again that that does speak something to the roster construction but when you look at what he was able to do tonight and then again the some of the ideas that they were able to come up with to help him be successful in his return right because we did see him in the final at the end of the Seattle game and it didn't look nearly what it looked like tonight yeah right? i think like, that was just a run out like hey kid yeah get out there Get moving, see what you got. So, mm-hmm. you know, and so it was good to see him healthy. Right, I think the one, the most important thing is if you saw him, there was one play where I think Barrio, I don't remember who it was, it was. a free kick. It was a, it was that short free kick that he took. You're talking about yeah. where he, he chased him, chased Barrios down on the, mm-hmm. on the counter. So there was like the counter attack that sprung, and you just see mm-hmm. Vela run, run him down, and and knock the ball out of play. And I was like, okay, if if he was still thinking about that ham that quad or worrying about you know what that that leg he's not making that run yeah right yeah. we've not there's times we don't even see him make that run healthy mm-hmm. right at times but you know again that it's a good sign to see him make to be able to make that run to you know obviously stop the counter you know and and again lead by example right in that sense um and the other thing right is in this case this is the What's it called? I, we brought this up in the podcast in years, in seasons past, but it's the walking gravity of yeah. of Carlos yeah. Vela, right? We they often talk about Messi, like even off the ball, the way that defenders have to still pay attention to him and still kind of move towards him, right? Like a planet's gravity pulling in foreign objects. As you see Vela, and this this is true on that on the um, the first goal, right, where you see at or is it the second one? Second goal. Where Baird sets up Rossi? 
That's the first one. That's the first one. Okay. So when Atuesta makes that pass, right, Vela kind of is drifting, is central, and drifts high into the right, which opens up a ton of space for Corey Baird underneath. And again, Vela's not making a charging run, right? It's not Christian Maris making the back post, you know, making the diagonal run towards the opposite post as Vela cuts in or anything like that. This is just Vela walking. Yeah. And yeah. and drawing attention. And again, like for a team that's lacked the ability to move defenses horizontally, Vela did it with steps. Yeah. Literally yeah, just steps in a single direction. Uh that I, I I'd like to talk about with that because it one, what you're talking about where he kind of like drifts through the back line and, and pulls guys one way. Um that's obviously something that's repeatable for whoever's at the striker position to come out to the right and pick up the ball. Um, but also Tristan Blackman's movement in that sequence is really important. So let's recap this goal a little bit. Um, at some point Vela comes back and this is the one that, you know, Mario, it starts with Mario in the back. Mario has to beat a couple defenders on the dribble steps into midfield ball circulates a little bit and Vela ends up coming back to pick it up. And he plays a ball kind of this, you know, this, flat ball across the midfield to Mark Anthony K. And then that's when he goes up and joins the attack. K looks to his left to see Palacios on the overlapping run. That's taken away by the right back. So he just pulls it back, wisely dumps it off to Atuesta. And right as K pulls it back, you hear Bob say, side Tristan. He doesn't say it. He screams it in, in typical Bob fashion. So that seems to be a trigger. Like if one overlapping run is taken away, the other the other one needs to go as well because we're about to switch play. So K pulls the ball back. Bob sends Tristan. And Tristan runs basically straight at where Barrett is. At this point, Barrett is kind of like the uh the the right winger. And it pulls the left back off of Baird. So Atuesta gets the ball from K, plays it directly to Baird, who's now got more space to operate with. And you see Vela, he's just kind of like in the middle back behind the the Colorado back line. So now Baird's got space to cut it underneath and find Rossi eventually. Um, so, I mean, so many great things in that goal. The video, MLS tweeted out the video. So um, if, you're, if you want to see like a prime example of what LAFC has historically done with the ball when they're not on the break, this is it, right? Tons of movement, um, interchanging positions, and you know, that initial ball coming from the same guy, Edward Atuesta, right? Um, so it, a, a great, great goal. But I think, like I said, I think the most important thing is the movement off the ball. And that's that's right. the one thing that we hadn't seen, right? And I think, you know, whoever go through the, the litany of the LAFC pod fam, that was the common theme that people had pointed out, right? It was that yeah. there just was a lack of movement away from the ball. I think Bobby yeah. even brought up in the press conference where, right, where, when that first option is taken away, there should be a second run happening to now be able to switch the play. And that wasn't what was happening, right? He was kind of like, well, if this yeah. isn't there, then we're just going to, I don't know, force, try and force it or whatever. Yeah. So this is another thing too. So uh, again, on that goal, Vela cut, cuts inside, goes up through the middle, and that's where he pulls some of the defenders. Um, what I also want to point out is the fact that Tristan making that run so let's say that overlapping fullback on the left isn't isn't there, and K pulls back, and Vela happens to be the one in Baird's spot. Um, 
Tristan making that run is something that I think they're going to go back to because it's going to open up just a little bit of time for Vela to turn and fire a ball from the top of the 18. And we all know what he likes to do uh, with his left foot from there. So that is a pattern of play that I anticipate seeing more and more. As a midfielder pulls the ball back and is about to play the switch, watch the fullbacks. Um, and I think it works better out of a 4-3-3 because then they're deeper, right? Now that's mm-hmm. a charging run as opposed to just like Latif kind of like hanging out on the uh, in the wingback spot. But anyway. one, I think it's it's the run that you see Moon make in the second from that yeah, wingback yeah. spot, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. it's dead on sprint, and because it's such a charging run, the left back has to assume that they're looking for the ball in that space, right? So you can't not make a move towards that side. Right. I mean, that's why, that's why it's so good. And that's why Atuesta is the perfect guy too, right? Because if it's coming, if it's, if that run is coming from deep, the threat is still that Atuesta can play that ball out to the wing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're, they're further back and Atuesta still has the ang- the angle. Whereas if they're already pushed up high, like a, you know, the, the wing back is already on the back line that he, Atuesta likely doesn't have that angle to pass the ball. So, there's no threat in that that left back isn't going to move. The opposing left back isn't going to move. So, um, right. or or like we've seen them pass, right? They just collapse onto whoever that winger is cutting inside. Yeah, right. Yeah, what they what they've done to Vela in years past when, mm-hmm. you know, obviously in 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 nineteen, right? It was at Atuesta was usually pretty easily able to feed Vela cutting inside from from right to left. You know, ball at the feet basically at the corner of the eighteen. You know, put the ball on his left foot and then do make, you know, make magic happen. Yeah. But, you know, what a lot of teams started to do, what the Galaxy had done historically, what, you know, Seattle has done is basically send the two, the mid, you know, the defensive midfielder, the left back and the center back basically crashing towards him. And then Mm -hmm. now it's, it's the, you know, make someone else beat you tactic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And against LAFC, right, based, you know, especially after like we talked about how, how different this team plays in absence of Carlos Vela, it's not a bad look. Yeah. Right, to make yeah. someone make someone else make a play. Mm-hmm. Uh second goal LAFC gets um is a ball that comes in from Blackman. So again, one of the encouraging things about tonight is, you know, a lot of these are starting you know, we spent a lot of time on the show last week talking about their counterpressing team. They want to win the ball and play immediately off of the turnover. Uh, and we haven't really seen much of the possession side, right? And th- that's both goals tonight come from come from possession. They come from deep. Blackman plays a ball through pressure into Vela. It's a fantastic ball that he plays. Vela cuts through the midfield. Um, you know, cutting underneath is we always talk about like playmaking wingers who cut inside. That's This is it. Um, beats a couple guys and, you know, finds Rossi again and boom, we're off to the races. Rossi with a great left footed finish, uh, that looks like it's going to burst through the back of the net. So I think that's the video that you, that you tweeted out, right? Yeah. My fiance just happened to be trying, you know, filming it at the right. It's great timing. You guys had good seats for that one too. Yeah. So qualms about that. I'm going to have to say something to get this off my chest because I have a little issue with LAFC right now because we bought, you know, if you go onto the website and you watch Max Bredos do his tour of the stadium, Midfield Box is supposed to have um, complimentary food, which there was none available. Mm. Um, so obviously, if it's a great it's a great view, 
it's like a great tactical view, really, actually. It's probably yeah, the best tactical yeah. view in the stadium. But I wanted me my free hot dog, but definitely didn't get it. So, um, you get some on so, the way out, at least? Yeah, you got to. I mean, yeah. you got to support local business. But yeah. someone, in, someone in LAFC customer service, get back to me. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't think you're the only one that has complaints about Oh no! The amount of traction and and likes I got on that tweet has tells me a lot about how things have been going lately. Now I will give I I mean like I feel bad because you know I know the staff and the people that are at the bank are trying to just make things happen. You know, especially with the COVID rules, they had to have yeah, to have yeah. the stadium split up for vaccinated people and so on and so forth. But even then, man, you would think there'd been at least like a a dry run or some of that, or just yeah, just. Yeah. Just note it on the website, like, hey, this isn't a, you know, normal food isn't available for this match. Because mm. I know there were people that had problems who were vegetarian that couldn't get to the side where the vegetarian food was being sold in the stadium because of the mm-hmm. um, the split in the stadium for yeah. vaccination. You know, that's like uh, going back to the military days. Those are the kind of things that um, new organizations, they those are just details that you don't you don't really think about them until after you've run into a problem um, and we, you know, our, our unit would go out and run an exercise or an op and, and you'd get it back and back, man, we did not think about this. And like, there's no way you could have foreseen it. Right. So you write it in all your after action reports so that the next time you're doing something similar, you can, you can get it, you can get it right. But yeah, it's all, all I want to know is that next time I come to the stadium, I need, I need a hot dog. <laughs> But make sure you talk to I don't know whoever sells your tickets next time. Make sure I know, right? Make sure to bring it up. But okay, so um, they go into the they go into the half. At, they're they're up to nothing, and I mean everybody online the the broadcast. You know Max and I think it was Heath uh, Heath. I don't remember his last name. Pierce, US yes. MNT legend. Yes. Um, we're on the, we're on the broadcast and they were talking about that's the best first, that's the best half of soccer we've seen from LAFC this, this year. Um, and it, it's gotta be true. I mean, they looked good against Seattle last week, but only in the press, right? Only in that one part of the game and everything else was just bleh. Yeah. So, there's no chance creation. There's no yeah, real offensive this, I mean, idea. Colorado couldn't get on the ball. They couldn't stay on the ball when they were, they couldn't stop the attack from coming um, and they obviously couldn't stop the goals from happening. So that was, that was it. That's what we want to see. And the good news is it's, it's a, it's a lineup that um, you can expect to see in the future. It's not like something crazy happened where uh, all of a sudden you had players that weren't playing in Vegas or something, you know, it's, that's a very predictable starting lineup that, that we can trot out week after week. So um yeah they, yeah they go ahead no i mean to be fair i think this lineup once kind of fully fully integrated and with time this you know with time to kind of get those guys playing together more it's probably a slight upgrade on the one that took us to the ccl final i would say yeah yeah i'd say so um i i mean you have sifu over blessing who i think uh brings a few more a few more qualities uh, than blessing does, um, and I think it is. I think it is right that Sifu and Blessing are the interchangeable pieces. I think you can put either one of them on the field, and they're going to be good. But I feel like there's less redundancy 
if you have Sifu and Mac uh, as a part of the midfield right now. And then obviously Barrett over Musovski. Barrett's going to give you uh, a little more in terms of quality, even though one of the things about Baird that drives me nuts is that um, and I, maybe I've brought this up before, but <clears throat> the amount of backwards first touches that that man takes yeah. are are kind of astounding. It's It's interesting to see. I'm assuming it's just the the what do you call it the PTSD of having played in in RS for RSL for so long. <laughs> um, but I'm not supposed to have the ball this high. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, and then the other part of it too, I think with with him, and I think this is probably why he probably gets it gets the nod over Musovski in this sense is I think with Vela on the field, you need him to work the press right with mm-hmm. with with uh, Rosie because defensively at times that they were in about a in like a four four two mid block and then mm-hmm. really the only press was the was Baird and Rossi up top just kind okay. of getting them it wasn't like a hard close down especially because Colorado was in a, in that five three two yeah. right so it's not like yeah. they're trying to possess the ton so when they were actually anytime they were actually in in defense and Colorado was going through a build up it was about a Four four two mid block, and then you had mm. Rossi and mm. and Baird chasing up top. So that way, there's less running for Vela off the ball. He kind of just chills in that right midfield spot, you know, or or sometimes would just kind of hang out high, depending on where what was going on, um, okay. or where he was positioned at the in any given time. But they're not asking Vela to press at this moment. Yeah, it seem. Yeah, so I mean. Baird, Baird, the other thing that he, I mean, he's much faster than Musovski, uh, even even though he does take a lot of backwards touches. When he does turn and go, he's much faster. Um, so I, I think he's going to find himself in more dangerous positions as a result. Um, so anyway, th- uh, this is something that I assume is repeatable. Um, and over time, they'll they'll get some more goals from it. It's just, for me, the the biggest thing is, it's encouraging to see those things that we talked about. Like, okay, well, when you're playing with this group, where are the creators at? Um, and it was good to see, obviously, Vela's your number one creator, right? And it was also good to see the space that he can open up for the midfield underneath and for the fullbacks behind him. Um, it it allows them more time to do that job. Whereas I think without him on the field, there's there's not enough time for them to to get that job done. So yeah, I mean, I mean, we've seen Mark Anthony K. You know, especially I think it was the, what the against the Sounders in 2019, right, where he came out and looked like you know the the next the next big thing as a distributor in the middle of the park. Right, mm-hmm. it's that game. I think was what made him an all star essentially in that mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. A big part of it is, like you said, the amount of space that Vela creates when you play on the same side of him in the midfield, right? So when yeah. Vela drops into that space, that that midfielder isn't coming charging at you to take the ball off of you. He's dropping back to make sure that Vela doesn't get, you know, doesn't get on the ball. Yeah. And I think now that gives K that ability to pick his head up the way he likes to, right? Like, you know, we can lament all we want about how he's not at Tuesta with eyes in the back of his head, you know. But, you know, and, and play these one-touch things. But K, when given the space and the opportunity, can thread a ball, right? He's- yeah, I mean, he gets he gets, he gets gets Carlos in really early. I mean, I don't, I don't remember where it was. He plays a ball to Carlos when he's on the left wing. Um, and it's 
you know, that, that typical ball that we like to see from Atuesta on the other side, where it's through the, the right back and the center back and it springs Carlos on the run, who's coming in kind of diagonal. And I mean, the ball comes so, so early and so well that there's nobody there in the middle for, uh, for Carlos to cross it into. And he eventually takes the ball towards the corner and I think goes out for a goal kick or something, but he can play that ball if there's enough time. Yeah, um, that's what I think. I think, you know, maybe like if if Mark Anthony K isn't, you know, he 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 may never be Chavi, right? He may never be yeah, Iniesta yeah. in terms of his ability, you know, like or or David Silva, right? With guys who you know just have like seem to be able to see everything before it happens, right? Mm-hmm. But could he be Jordan Henderson? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, so takes a little here, bit of a heavy the touch and then can thread. Yeah. yeah, I mean, here's the thing about here's the thing about Xavi and, and Iniesta, right? Those guys were they were famously always scanning the field, right? They they it was just kind of like ingrained into them from a young age to be always looking at the field um, to the point where they they have this sort of mental map, and I think that's what you see from Atuesta, where he's it he's he's always he always knows where all the chess pieces are on the board. Um, and I think I texted you earlier in the week. I, to me, the more that I watch Mark Anthony K and the more that he plays in that three, five, two, where he is the guy that's, that's sitting back as the six, I think he might be the answer when Atuesta leaves as the six. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because when you see those passes from deep, those are typically as far as I can tell, um, and I'm not keeping stats on them. Those are the more accurate passes. Those are, I think he probably would benefit similar to Atuesta. We've talked about as well in the past couple of weeks where when he's further forward, he doesn't see in the field the same way. So I, I'd be interested to see that experiment run when we inevitably and tragically lose Atuesta to Ajax or wherever he ends up going. Yeah. I mean, I think though, like, you know, like the issue that some people have always had is like the weight on his passes always seems a little bit heavy. Yeah, sure, right? sure. But from that depth, you will have to wonder, like, is it now just the perfect amount of, you know, yeah, space yeah. to get? And and again, if he's picking the ball up there, right, he's not a guy that people can take the ball off of. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. he's K is very good at shielding the ball. You know, he can turn in tight spaces. So if he's having to drop in to pick up the ball, he'll make the turn. And then now generally we'll have space to be able to pick up his head and find that next pass yeah. versus when he's having to do it from the eight, the space is so much more compressed that it's a lot of times when he makes that turn and it has to take an extra touch, the space is now completely gone, right? Mm-hmm. Versus again, against most teams that are, that are in MLS that are usually in some kind of, yeah, I mean, a bus or of four, two, three, one, right? Especially the options that you usually see against each other, right? There's not going to be that that defensive mid that's going to be that high up, right? That's going to yeah, challenge you yeah. at that point. Yep. So I mean, that's just a thought. It's just something that's been floating around. The more that I watch him this year, the more I think that might be that might be an option for LAFC. And it, I mean, of course, it, anybody in this league is going to be a downgrade from Edward Atuesta. So it's not you know we're not. But saying I think. That but I think it allows. In. Yeah, I think at that point though, it allows you to now you make the most of the midfielders that are still on the roster, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Or, you, you know, if you, if you add another midfielder, uh, if you go out and you, you add a DP attacking midfielder, for example, um, now you don't have to take K off the field and you can, like you're saying, you can still make use of the, of the guys that you've got there 
in blessing and, and sifu, right? And mm-hmm. you don't have to take people off. So anyway, we're that's a that's a rabbit hole that we're chasing. But anyway, back to the game. Um, in the second half, Colorado comes out and they start springing Michael Barrios a, a lot more. He ends up getting a goal um, off of a breakdown on the back line. I mean, they do to be totally honest. Colorado does a great job and Barrios just kind of runs away from cheeky uh, and the ball is played over Segura's head and Barrios goes five hole on Pablo Cisniega. And that came at a time there were, there were probably seven or eight minutes where it's Barrios in behind again and again and again and again. Um, and it, I, I thought for sure he was going to score another goal. And then uh, Bob Bradley decided to sub him off. I mean, Robin Frazier tried to decide to sub him off. Like, I mean, it may as well have been like, if Bob was going to make a sub for Colorado, that's the sub he would have made Jonathan Lewis for Michael Barrios. Because after that, it was like the game was, the game was over. Um, I was, I was thoroughly confused at what Robin Frazier was doing, pulling off Barrios, but uh, happy that he did because that was the end of their, their success. So yeah, I mean, he he got – that guy's a tank. <laughs> like, yeah. He looks like he's about five foot three and 215 pounds of just, I think I think he's 5'4". Yeah. I can't he, – He is thick. Yeah. Like, and so I think what ends up ha- – you know, a couple of times you just see him be able to muscle, you know, like yeah. while normally when, when people run into like Mario and Segura, they kind of just bounce off, right? he's able to kind of just push people around right in that sense he's such a low center of gravity too that you know again when if once that ball finds over the top and he makes that diagonal run it's kind of hard you know to now go head to head with him unless you're right right you know it's um is that the worst hair in mls josh probably it's got i i it has to be it has to be i'm not a huge fan of diego rossi's mullet right now but yeah (laughs) He's scoring goals, so I can't say anything. Yeah, whatever. Just keep scoring braces. You can come out however you want. But, I mean, Barrios, I mean, this is nothing new. He's had the same kind of uh, mohawk, like ramen noodle mohawk forever. And it's always it's always been bizarre to me. Um, I don't know if there's like a story like Jossie Zardes has, you know, he bleaches the hair and he's always done it because uh, initially, he wanted his grandma to be able to see. So it's like this really heartwarming, like, oh, that's a cool story. <laughs> like, now I'm, now I'm glad. I hope you never change it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's something like that with, with Barrios, but. Doubtful. I think he just wants to stand out. Yeah. <laughs> he just needs to add a little something. He, so need, people... <laughs> he needs some way to stand out since he's so short, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But all right. Um, so yeah, LAFC weather the storm. Uh, we see Moon come on. Vela subbed off for Musovski. They kind of go back into this three-five-two that they've been toying around with a lot. Um, but I mean, at that point, Colorado was just kind of out of it. There, there really wasn't anything for them to to try. Uh, and LAFC see out the game and get the win, their second win of the year. So uh, I think that puts them in the ninth place for the for today. I'm sure I'm sure it can change tomorrow depending on what happens, but. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a, a positive step that they can there and there are, there are very clear building blocks in place. Yeah. So. I mean, I think at this point you just have to make sure that you keep 
you know, Bella healthy and you continue to work on some, you know, you build the chemistry between that front three because I think there's something there's something there. Yeah. Right? And yeah. to me, if you were going to tell me that you're going to saw Tuesta, but then keep that front three, I'd rather keep that front three if Atuesta's, I guess if you lose Atuesta and Rossi, then it changes a little bit different. But if, say, Atuesta is the only one that you sell and you keep Rossi, Rossi, then you got to find a 10 at that point, right? Yeah. Sew yeah. it all together. I agree. And then let Sifu and, and Mac be, you know, be your deepest lying midfielders. And then, you know, or in the event that Rossi sold in, obviously you're probably going to find a, yeah. try to find a nine. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Atuesta is leaving this summer. I think he's probably leaving in the winter, right? Cause he's, he's signed for another year. Yeah. Yeah. He, he signed to the resigned. end of 2022. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine they move him after the season's over. Uh, the bigger the bigger question is really Rodriguez, right? What happens there? Um, we put it out to everybody on Twitter. You know, what, what's the best case scenario? Everybody's best case scenario is that uh, Almeria get promoted and are forced to buy it, to buy him. Um, what otherwise, I don't really know what you want to do. That's what What's you that? call some rock. I mean, I've criticized the front office for a lot of things this year, but sticking that clause in Rodriguez's contract is a stroke of genius. That could that could turn out being like the like the absolute best thing to happen in yeah. that with that contract is if they can if they can somehow force a sale because they're promoted. Um, the closest thing current- the closest like- thing I've seen to that is like the the Coutinho tax that that Barcelona has to pay if they yeah, take anyone right. from Liverpool like that's right. the kind of stuff that like that that you're asking for to put someone in like why would anyone agree to that but I mean desperate yeah. times come for desperate measures I guess I mean yeah I did DK have a a clause like that in his I don't think they I don't think it, they did no I think his actually I think his like increases as they do better or something like that okay well I mean they're out of it now they lost to Swansea so um but yeah I to me that's it like the best case scenario for laFC is they they get to move on from Rodriguez and bring somebody in um what that is at this point i, I I'm still probably saying a, a striker to start over Baird and Baird is now your depth piece because I mean, he's, this is, this is going back to what we've always had, right? We've always had pieces that kind of go that can kind of go 90. Dio was always kind of an injury concern, but for the most part he could go 90 and he was going to be phenomenal. I mean, he's the best striker we've had by far. Um, BWP couldn't give you all those minutes. Ramirez could go the 90, but you didn't always want him to, right? Cause he's missing all these sitters. Um, Arania was kind of the same way where he could give you the 90, but he's not going to score any goals. He'll, he might get an assist or two. Um, so I, I kind of feel that way with Baird where he's going to be able to give you 90 minutes consistently if you need it, but production might suffer against, against better teams. So for me, it would still be a striker. You use the midfield that you have for now. Atuesta leaves in the, in the winter, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves with all this stuff. So um, anything else from this match, though, Josh, that you wanted to get into? I mean, Sustenga still needs to let the ball run across his body and use his left foot. But, <laughs> you know, that's not something that I don't think is going to happen until within my lifetime. It's, you know what? I, I did I did 
um, we got one wide angle of a of a goal kick where Segura's right there. Cisniego looks like he's going to play it to him, and it's kind of like they're baiting more pressure from uh, from Colorado to see if like they're going to come up. So I, it could it could be a thing where this is going to the goal kick question that we keep asking every week. I, I kind of wonder if it's like they just want to see if they can get more pressure to step up and then Cisniega chips a ball over the into the midfield or something. Um, but I, I don't know what this cat and mouse game is. It's, it's bizarre. I did see a couple, one time in specific where the center back split wide, not on a goal kick, but just the ball went back to Cisniega or something. The center back split out wide traditionally ball was played to Segura ball was played back across to Mario and we were off and running, but, um, one of these days, one of these days, we're going to figure out what they're doing with Segura and and Cisniega shaking hands back there on goal kicks. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, if you have a shot stopper that's as good as Cisniega, and he can actually play with his feet, he's probably not going to be long for like in the at LAFC yeah, for very long, right? Because <laughs> someone I remember who I think it may have been like the Scuff podcast are talking about like the the U.S. national team goalkeeper depth in terms of guys who can play with their feet. And there's not mm-hmm. any depth. It's basic. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so, like, for example, like Matt Turner at over at New England, he's terrible with his feet. Right? Like, he's not a guy that you want to be that can mm-hmm. distribute and build from the back, you know? But he's Twitter is going to... You are going to get so much Twitter hate. Whatever. At I mean, LAFC Josh, not me. The, the guy can... The guy, <laughs> the guy stops shots, but can he... You know, yeah, yeah, and then so you're the best, the best, the next best goalie with the ball at his feet is Sean Johnson, right? And he had it. He had, and that guy has some howl. Yikes! And he's got, some, and he's always got a howler in him, right? Did you did you did you see the NYCFC Columbus game today? No, but I seen him like try to pick up a ball and it went through his legs. Also, uh, like, like a year or two ago. So NYCFC were leading up until the 81st minute. And in the 82nd, um, Sean Johnson thinks that he's going to bend a ball to the back post, Zella Ryan, that is, uh, on a free kick. And Zella Ryan, I mean, he hits it hard with a lot of venom, kind of knuckling, but it's a laser beam straight to where Johnson was kind of standing. Like, I mean, it was easily, easily grabbed, but, you know, he goes for the, he he thinks it's going to be a curler, so he moves off that spot. And uh, 13 minutes later, they get a, you know, Columbus gets another free kick, and Johnson plays the screamer again. He's like, okay, well, he beat me. He beat me with the screamer last time, so we're going to go with it. And Zeller Ryan curls it in. It's like, I, I felt, I felt so bad for Johnson because he's just sitting there with this look on his face, like, man, this guy did me twice. Sure. And uh, man, I but, felt I felt bad, but that's what I'm saying. So I'm like, if if you know, for as hard as we are on Cisnega, like I said, he, I mean, he saved another goal from Barrios today that should have been yeah. pretty yeah. back. He's going to get you big time saves, right? And so, given the amount of possession that we usually have and how teams typically will back off, right, it becomes more apparent and more an issue against the Seattle or against the Galaxy, who are going to come out and press a little bit more and, and cause some mistakes to occur. Yeah, but, yeah. Against ninety percent of the league, it's it's fine because 
now when they counter and when they're able to counter when we're pushing up all of our numbers, right? At, at some point today, I tweet out that it was in a two-two-four, which is not enough players on the field. It's actually more of like a <laughs> right, like you have the two center backs, two midfielders, and like six, uh, like the midfielders were just pushed pushed up into like into the both into the channels, and you had yeah, the fullbacks yeah. pushed up. So you have like six forwards at some one point. So again, like you just have to be ready for that one counter that that team's going to get when you're pushing too much. And you know, and that's usually what's going to either that be the difference. Yeah. Between, I mean, he'll he'll constantly be the difference between wins and losses and draws and wins, right? Because yeah, he's but I mean, that that's kind of the play. thing that we talk about, right? When you when you're going to press that high, when you're going to possess the ball that high, you're going to give up some counters. Um, and right now, you have two center backs that can deal with it. Segura and Mario are fast enough; they're they're good individually. Um, you have you have fast fast fullbacks. Uh, who can get back when they need to, and you have Cisniega. So you have all these defending pieces that even if they're caught out of position, you, they still might come back and and save you. So um, I, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a smart choice to that he's that he's the guy right now and to play that to play that style with the defensive pieces that you have. But all right, let's get into these questions, Josh. You ready? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay. I always I always say that and I go to pull them up and I'm not ready. So we always have this little bit of silence before I get there. All right. The first one is from Ozzy Barajas at Ozzy343. It was nice to see Cisniega be a leader. Josh, what was what was the mood there at the end when when Colorado was really pressing and Cisniega decided to take over? I mean, I couldn't tell if he was just doing it to waste more time because he he, he was literally just arguing with Elfath for like the last 20 minutes of the game for <laughs> random stuff and then getting in people's faces. But it's like, if you're going to waste more time, a good reason would be it to like start a, a full fight and go run after whatever forward Colorado was complaining. Yeah. And then now he has to walk all the way back to pick up the ball that he conveniently left at, behind the back of the net. So, <laughs> I mean, it's... It's it's the dark arts at its at its fullest when it comes to trying to kill a game off. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, he was making uh, he made Rubio come within two feet before he picked up a ball there at the end to uh, Rubio kind of you know the keeper will stand there with a the ball at his feet right waiting for somebody to come. Rubio starts jogging up, jogging up, and Cisniega starts to bend over like he's going to pick up the ball and then stops and stands back up. Rubio has to come closer and closer and closer uh, to the point where he's like, basically, he can basically touch him, right? And then Cisniega finally picks it up. Yeah, it looked uh, like he was like trying to brush off his shoes at one point. Yeah. Trying to get and, I mean, Rubio to you come know, up Rubio's closer. jawing at him as he's walking away. And Cisniega's got a big smile on his face. And Rubio goes away. And then, of course, Cisniega just throws it on the ground to play it, <laughs> to clear it long. So it's just... It was fun to see. It was fun to see him get in get into the scrap too. When when fights would break out, of course he's going to come out of the sticks there at the end. So uh, it was yep. it was fun. But I'm telling you, as he comes out, it's it's he now has to walk like a whole 18 yards to the back of the thing to go yeah. pick up that ball again. <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm guarantee he didn't actually want and like there wasn't actually an argument to be had at that point because I don't really I didn't see anything that ever really happened. Yeah, and it was like a weird excuse to leave the ball yeah. on the field. <laughs> It's like okay, whatever. 
Yep. All right, next one from PG at Paul T. Greco. From the bank, midfielders look uh, took too many touches on the ball in the first half. Our forwards were making nice runs and never getting service at the appropriate time. The timing needs to be worked for on worked on for vertical play. I'm looking at you, Sifu and Mac. Um, we kind of talked about the first half and how happy we were with it. Um, I wasn't I wasn't too worried about them taking their time on the ball. Largely, I felt you know they're trying to circulate and probe around around this five man back line, which which can take some time. But I don't know. What did yeah. you see there? I mean, I think there's a couple of balls they hit over the top, you know, just again, really just to see, I think, how Colorado was going to react in certain situations. So mm-hmm. that way, now you set up that ball, you know, that run from Tristan, right? To me, that's yeah. what I felt like. It's it's a lot of like, you know, you had Sifu and Mac basically take a couple opportunities to see, hey, let, let's just see at this point. You know, it's it's the the old like first play of the game, second play of the game of, of, you know, American football game where you just let's toss it deep and see how they're going to, re- you know, see what they react. If you hit, yeah. you know, if you score a touchdown, great. If not, so be it, right? You're, you, you give you the information that you need to now get into the rest of your offense. And it seemed more of that because I think as they saw how Colorado was shifting vertically, then they knew that at that point, as, the second that ball gets played in or, or gets rotated to the or to one side, that the fullbacks were dropping with the runs of the of the um of our fullbacks, right? Yeah. So then I think that's where you see when the switch comes, you see Tristan just take off and it pulls and creates the necessary amount of space and the width right, that we need right. ultimately. Yeah. So again, like I said, hey, given how dominant we were in that first half, that to me, I think that's where it's like I said, I think. I'm going to give them a bit of the down and say it's probably more of just testing the waters and looking for opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So that way, when you go through the, the quote unquote pattern of play that you're trying, that you work on in the training pitch, right. That's mm-hmm. going to score you a goal that, you know, it comes off because you, you yeah. know, that you know how they're going to react to it at that, at that right. point. All right. Next one, Alex follow at Alex follow one. K had a lot of erroneous passes. Hope passing improves. Overall, a different team when Vela is on the field. So, I mean, the Vela comment we've we've covered it pretty extensively. And I mean, highest played, highest paid player in the league, MVP two years ago, Golden Boot winner. Um, he's obviously going to have an impact. I think some of us may have underestimated how much of an impact he has, and just how little this team can get done without him. So, it was great to have him back and. Whatever, whatever soccer gods we need to pray to, let's let's start praying because we need that man healthy. Um, Kay having a lot of erroneous passes. I, I mean, this is this is the thing, right? We talked about uh, he's going to make he's going to he's going to be aggressive with his passing, and he's going to miss on a lot of them. Um, sometimes it, you know, sometimes the quality just isn't there. I did check the, I did pull the stats. He had 76% on his passing, whereas Atuesta, for example, at 85, that might be an unfair comparison uh, to compare those two. But um, I think that's probably why it seems so glaring. Most everybody else on the team was above 80, but um, you know, he's, he's trying harder passes and they're, they're not going to come off as often as when, when midfielders with a little more quality hit him. So yeah, I mean, on that know, one, Josh? He, he the amount of space that he's given to to turn and now find that pass when he's playing the eight is, like I said, is a lot 
less and smaller of a window to, you mm-hmm. know, to hit a key pass, you know, against a five-man back line, you know, then I think he would have gotten in another situation. So, like I said, in this case, I think because of where he was positioned at times, sometimes pushing forward in, you know, pushing forward while Atuas is sitting deep, you know, like I said, I think, I think he's trying to get, you know, he, to me, he's the one that feels like he's full of ideas or has been for the last four or five weeks, right? Doesn't always yeah, come off, yeah. but he's got ideas as to where, where he wants, where he wants to go with it, and you know, in absence of Vela, right, but the same couldn't be said for the rest of the team. So, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm all aboard the match train right now. Whereas I think both he and Atuesta are the two more in, indispensable pieces. Where I think the rotation is Sifu and Blessing, depending on the opponent. Yeah, I mean, we're not too far from um, the territory where we say, look, Mark Anthony K is. Uh, is the same kind of he's going to have the same kind of impact on your team in terms of performing above his salary number as a Lee Win or Benny Failhaber did in their first. Although I think Benny was on big money when he was here. Um, where when we talk about the veteran signings, he's going to be that guy in a year or two. Where I think I think Mac is twenty six right now, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, we all scream about veterans and um, we've, we've got one in place. And of course, like that we know it's like you were saying, right? If, if Cisniega could play with his feet and stop shots like he does, he's not going to be playing in MLS. Right. So sometimes, sometimes you're a victim of your own success uh, in MLS. If you're too good and you get shipped out. Um, So, I mean, obviously that's good for the player, but I, in terms of like, you're a victim of your own success as a team. Um, but you know, if, if Max stays the next four or five years with this team, I think they're going to be better off for it because he's on a small number and he outperforms his contract and he's going to still do really good things for you. Even if some of his, even if some of his downfalls or some of his shortfalls are, are more glaring. Uh, than than other midfielders in the in the rotation. Anyway, all right. Let's see the next one here. Christopher Colonna at LAFC twenty twenty one. Best first half of the season. Great to see Rossi back on the score sheet. I'm glad Vela got the start. That was absolutely the right call. A much needed three points. Just a couple of things though. Oh, he's just getting started. Next tweet. I don't like the way the team looked when Vela got subbed off and Colorado scored their goal. I still have concerns over their mentality, but to their credit, they saw the match out, even if it wasn't pretty at the end there. On to NYCFC. Josh? I mean, again, like I I, I tried really hard to not judge the mentality because that's something that you can't quantify, right? Like, And when you see how hard the you know they generally are working throughout most of these things, I think that that Barrio's goal was more of a miscommunication and a misplay than anything like that. And there was a couple of times where like even Mario, like when he's going for clearances, just had weird footing and the ball just came off at a, you know, at a weird angle that didn't. Yeah. Mario, Mario doesn't look as comfortable on the ball as I initially thought. Um, the more that I watch him, he's comfortable within space, but it, this is more of like, you know, like again, if, if he was commanding in space and could make a pass with his head as the ball's floating in and drop it off to a midfielder perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 
he'd be in Europe somewhere right now. Of right? course, no. This isn't to say that he's bad. It's it's just saying, uh, you know, the first couple of times you see somebody, you're like, oh man, this guy's great on the ball, and it's like, well, okay, well, yeah, maybe I just didn't see enough. You know, and I think, like I said, I think he hits a nice pass. He does a couple, you know, some things. He, he like I said, he, when he goes up to win headers, and he de- generally wins yeah, it. Yeah, he just is kind of in an awkward position to now recover should the ball not fall where mm-hmm. he's hoping. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more it there. And again, and you just saw Barrios just kind of out muscle Segura. And, and again, there was a kind of that in the midfield, right? There was like a, a turnover there, I think as well that led to that. Yeah. Game. I don't remember who turned the ball over, but it was, I mean, it was kind of like the, the Seattle goal last, last week where there's like a weird turnover and they're just the transition. They kind of work the ball around, but yeah, it definitely, uh, I mean, that. It, to me, it felt against the run to play. So, I mean, like I said, those goals yeah, are going to yeah. happen. You know, you're going to give it, you know, same thing with set piece goals, right? If if you, those things, that's that's the game, right? And sometimes, so. Yeah, sometimes the other team scores because, again, they're professionals, right? They're, yeah. They're going to get you. They're going to well, get you sometimes. And, and someone pointed out that, right, in in every competition, both both winner and loser have the same goal in mind. <laughs> Right, like yeah, yeah. they don't come in wanting to lose. Right, your approach to it may be different, but you know, and you're you're still trying to win. I don't know. I watched the Browns go zero sixteen after going one and fifteen. So when they're when I when, question how bad they wanted to win those two years when they they the, didn't fire Hugh Jackson either. After sure. that. I mean, I guess when the <laughs> when the draft is so heavily weighted, you know, and can right. change your fortunes when you're incentivized when there's an actual incentive to lose. Yeah. Oh. So I mean that I guess that's a little that's the exception to the to the case, but you know I think yeah. like I said I I I am never going to get on board the oh they're they're not engaged or they're not shut up yeah like they get frustrated like every like any normal person would if things don't come, but on that one in specific that was just a weird fluke thing. The rest of the time they were in complete control, yeah, <laughs> you know, of yeah, the right. of how this thing was going, and then obviously Bob subbed off Barrios and game over. <laughs> that needs to become like a, a recurring theme on the show like what bob did to sabotage other teams yeah unless it's into brian schmetter that's a whole different story yeah all right pepe at just one maybe one no more zonal marking on set pieces seems to be a lack of accountability got lucky on a few of their changes tonight uh i think he means chances maybe although i mean we're here we are talking about their changes and how the best thing that happened to LAFC in the second half was that they changed, they say subbed off uh, Barrios. Yeah, the zonal marking I think is here to stay. I think that's just that's the way that they feel they're going to win the most. I mean, I, I'm not there in training session, so I don't know what it looks like if they try and go to man marking. Um, and they don't. I mean, the thing is, they don't really have a whole lot of uh, defenders that are just going to straight up out muscle people. I mean, Mario's one of them, but. When you look at that back line, it's pretty short. Uh, I guess if you get K back in there, you're going to have some more height. But, um, but I mean, here's Bob's the philosophy seems to be very much: this is the way we're going to do it, and everybody's going to do their individual job. And in zonal marking, that's it, right? You go win the ball if it's in your zone. No questions asked. I mean, I think there's there's probably there probably needs to be more of like the like a pickup zone, right? Right, our matchup yeah, zone. Yeah. A matchup mm-hmm. zone is probably what the, the the word I'm looking for, because 
you know, who was it? I think it was Gareth Southgate famously was like sitting in on Boston Celtics and Patriots games trying to work on set pieces before the World Cup. Yeah. Because if if you purely man mark, you set screens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's easy to do that. And you in someone pick up picks off your guy, you know, there's mm-hmm. no there's no moving screen in soccer. Right. right, and the right. next thing you know, you have a free and runner to the back post. You know, there, there's a reason why people went to zonal marking is because man marking can be beat by using basketball tactics, essentially. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so the the happy medium, and usually the one that requires the least amount of effort, and obviously the goal is to just, you know, be better in the air and do some of those things. But I think is is something closer, probably, and it's probably what they're attempting to do is that, like I said, more of a matchup zone where basically they have their areas. And as guys run into the areas, then you're supposed to pick up a man as they come yeah. through. Yeah. Again, man, like most man marking is hard. It is it is not easy. No. Um I mean it's... there's a reason why San Jose still loses a bunch of games. Yeah. <laughs> because they try and man mark all over the field, right? Leeds uh, Leeds can do it. Uh but I guess that's the difference between Bielsa and and uh, the hippie in, in San Jose. Right? Yeah, I mean, people are willing to like dig show. There's Bielsa has all those stories about what people are willing to do for him as a coach. Yeah. So, yeah. and unless you have that guy behind, you know, at the helm of your club, good luck, right? Because yeah, yeah. Um, little story about about man marking. Uh, I play in a, in a in an adult league, and just two weeks ago. <laughs> I gave up a, a goal on a corner kick because my guy just put, he put me through the spin cycle. Um, there was a delayed corner and they had it timed really well. He stopped as soon as the, you know, the free kick uh, the, the kicker and, and my runner that I was marking, they stopped at the same exact time. So I stopped and boom, the kick was gone in an instant and he was behind me and scored a header. So to yeah. my shame, I'm not very good at man marking, apparently. But, but I mean, again, <laughs> but I think that goes back to the whole thing, right? Like, regardless of what you want to do on these set pieces, there's a counter, right? Right, right, right. And so it's just a chess move how you disguise it, how you go about these things, right? Like, we still, did, I mean, yeah, there's going to be times where you, they, you, you know, how many set pieces do you see? I mean, how many corner kicks do the other teams take, you know, in a game and they get absolutely nothing from it? Right, but it, yeah. obviously it's the yeah. one that stands out is the one where someone just falls right, asleep right. and forgets the guy. I, I mean, if I if I had to guess, given the way that Bob talks about the game, the thing that he likes about zonal marking is it's no, this is your job, this is your area, you win the ball. Stop, stop making excuses. Right. So I would, I, I think he probably thinks he has more accountability. Uh, people aren't able to pass the buck because if the ball's in your zone and somebody scores from your zone, you're, you're at, at fault. Um, now we can argue if that's true or not, or if that's misguided on his part. Sure. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm frustrated with set piece defending just like everybody else. So, but I, I, I just don't have the answer for it, to be honest. I mean, as, as long as every pundit all over the world complains about zonal marking, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose sleep over it because again, <laughs> right. it's just the, the matter where, what country you're in, what league you're watching, there's someone complaining about zonal marking versus man marking. And, yeah, yeah. but again, there's a reason why people do, we do it. And the likely is because when you man mark, 
you you run a basketball play and then there's free runners all over the place. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Instead of one guy be, one guy being free because you fell asleep, it's usually like five or six now running free because you know you set a wall. Yeah. Right. We have uh, Christopher Colon at LAFC 2021 coming back here. That second Rossi goal in particular is what I've been waiting to see from this team. The pass from Blackman to Vela, that Vela run, then the pass to Rossi, and then Rossi just thumping it home with his left foot. I wish every goal looked like that one. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's a it's a goal that's a little bit more direct. It's from the back. Um the pass from Blackman, like we said, is fantastic. The run from Carlos is fantastic. Rossi holding his position up there on the left wing is fantastic. And, uh, you know, again, a great, great finish. So we all hope to see more of that in the future. Josh, that's the end of the question. Do you got anything else for tonight? No, I mean, I think, again, on that that last thing with with that last goal, I think the one thing when you see on that one, right, is that, Vela's positioning is a lot way more central than I think than normal, right? Something that I think is probably a little bit of a new tweak to kind of just free up a little bit more space where I think he's almost operating, you know, in an in an Isco, Zidane Isco position where he starts mm-hmm. on that right, cuts in, and instead of receiving the ball at the corner of the eighteen, right, it's almost just underneath the two strikers, and then he can either facilitate or take the shot himself, depending on what the defense has done. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. The more that he's on the field, I think that's one thing we've learned too is that uh, the more we watch, the more it's kind of like, okay, well, we, there's still some things that they're trying to to implement some new some new things this year. So it'll be interesting to see them now that they're all healthy, apparently, yeah. as they continue to add those things in. So, oh. Josh. Last thing here, uh, we will be doing, we do have some extra scarves left over, so we will be doing a ah. giveaway. So make sure that if you're interested that you keep an eye out for the Twitter um, post because we'll um, be giving the instructions for that to enter for, to win one. Absolutely. Follow the show at counterpress underscore Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. You can find me at Kirk Kinsey. We will be back next week to recap the match between NYCFC Again, make sure to follow that Twitter handle so you can be kept uh, in the loop about the, the, the scarf giveaway. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye.